Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 88. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm talking with Stephanie McAdan, LMFT of Los Angeles, and she is a therapist who helps people who have basically had a situation where they felt like their world was falling apart. She works with women who have gone through divorce, and they're trying to figure out who they are when they're not part of a couple, not part of a marriage, and post-divorce. It can be a real identity-shattering experience. So I hope you'll enjoy this discussion about how the hardest times of our lives can be the times that help us grow the most. Stephanie talks about her work with clients, and we found about 15 of our favorite quotes from inspiring people that just kept popping up and coming at us left and right. So I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Stephanie McAdan, LMFT, is in private practice in Los Angeles. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. So glad that you could be on Therapy Chat. You and I connected through Mari Lee, a wonderful coach who I love and I think you do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you reached out to talk to me about your work in helping people transform their struggle. And that got my attention right away because that's something that I just really resonates for me. So I want to talk about that today. But first, let me just ask you to start out by talking about yourself and your practice a little more. Let our listeners get to know you. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, I practice in Los Angeles. I started out and do specialize in working with couples. However, I also found that the other side of the coin, which is working with people who are fresh out of a relationship or sort of recovering from a breakup, sort of starting anew in that way, really became a big part of the work that I do. 
and particularly women who have gone through divorce. So that's sort of become passion of mine. And I'm sort of on a mission to help people look at this as an opportunity instead of being stuck in the struggle. Mm. So what are some of the issues just for people who are listening to kind of consider this? What are some of the issues that women who are going through divorce bring to therapy? Well, there's so many. And of course, they're all very unique. But some of the common ones are that, you know, ending a relationship and getting divorced, A, it's like a death, but in many cases, the person is still there and you're still needing to continue a relationship with them, whether it's co-parenting or financially. In some way, it's sort of having to reconfigure that, which is really challenging when you think about just trying to heal from a breakup, but then also at the same time, deal with this having to still continue in some way. And another thing that so many women struggle with is the shame that sort of comes with getting divorced and Mm. kind of embarrassment and feeling like you failed. And that carries so much weight with it that it can just feel crushing. Yeah, I see that. And I've I've seen that in some women who their marriage was such an important part of their identity as sort of like, telling the world, look, I can do this. Someone loves me and I'm worthy of, you know, getting into this long-term relationship where I can make it work and it proves something about me as a person. Yes. I um, find that so much that, yes, your identity is really almost around this relationship. And then to have that no longer be there, it's sort of like you're left in the middle of a desert, like, where do I go? What am I doing? Who am I? And it can be really scary. Yeah. Who am I? That's a big one. Mm-hmm. And I, I see also people saying inwardly, and they may say this in therapy, here we go again. This is just, you know, I failed. I couldn't make it work. Another example that I'm not lovable or that I couldn't, I couldn't do it as if like, you know, I mean, I think that goes back to earlier issues of worthiness and, and Mm -hmm. how worthy of love you are. But, you know, it's, it's just easy to sort of be like, I failed. Everyone sees I failed. Yeah. Going into that spiral of not only are you going through a hard time and devastated in many ways and dealing with a ton of, you know, whether it's financially or physically where you're living, anything, there's a ton of upheaval. But so many people then get in exactly what you were saying, this loop of beating themselves up in addition to it, kind of kicking yourself when you're down that I failed, I'm not worthy, no one's going to love me, I'll never be happy again. And that is just so hard to work through. Yeah. And then if society is telling them, you know, when let's say the woman moves into a new neighborhood with her children and the rest of the neighborhood is mostly families where both parents live together in the house with the kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and suddenly it's like they're being shunned as the like, oh, the divorcee. Exactly. (laughs) And even what makes it so much harder even today is social media with Facebook. I hear so much that people, you know, see all of their friends kind of continuing the life they had. And of course, everyone puts their highlights on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it can be so easy to be swept into that and 
noticing what everyone else is doing and it can make you feel even lower. You know, there's a quote I love that I tell all my clients, which is called, which says insecurity comes when we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Yeah. And boy, doesn't social media do that, particularly Instagram, Facebook and Pinterest. Yes. Yep. And it's really easy when you're feeling so vulnerable and so wounded to idealize everyone else and think everyone else is having this great life, Um, which in reality isn't true. Everyone has their own struggles. They might be different than yours, but, you know, it really gets easy to get caught in that loop of I'm suffering and everyone else is living this great life. Yeah, it's that sense of isolation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So... You in your work focus on how that in between time where they went from where things seemed okay and then something terrible happened and they're not yet to that, you know, end of the tunnel where things have improved. You you work in that middle part. Right. I think that, you know, when people come in to see me generally, they're dealing with all kinds of, you know, generally symptoms of depression or anxiety all around this big upheaval and change in in their lives. And it's so important to work through that and be so empathetic and compassionate because it is so hard. Mm -hmm. But what I can hold for them is that I can see that there's actually a gift in all of this. And that is when I went through, you know, as I look back at my life and we've all gone through challenges and struggles. And when I look back at it, I realized that's the time in my life that I was able to grow in huge ways that I would have never imagined. But I remember consciously thinking this isn't going to destroy me. I am going to get stronger from this. And that's hard to hold on to when you're suffering and feeling so down. So I sort of help my clients work through all the pain, but also holding this, let's find a way to grow and make you stronger and really figure out what you want moving forward. That's beautiful. And I yeah. think of the, the, one of my favorite of the many beautiful quotes from Rumi, the wound is where the light enters you. Yes, exactly. I love it. I love that one. And, and another, I love quotes. So I'm always my clients laugh because I'm like the quoting therapist. (laughs) But another one that relates to it is pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And that's true. Yeah. So say a little more about how you how you see those as being different. What's the difference between pain and suffering? Well, I think that pain is something that we're all going to feel in our lives, no matter what, in one way or another. I think it's very easy to get stuck in that. And then that's where the suffering happens. So it's not to say don't feel pain. Absolutely. And let's work through it and let's acknowledge that and respect it and work through. But the suffering comes when we get stuck there and feel like there's no way out and that we'll never be happy again. That doesn't need to be a part of your experience. There is actually a ton of potential to grow and move on and actually be happier than you would have ever thought. That is so key. Mm-hmm. The terrible, painful experiences that we don't want, we didn't ask for, we hate every second of it, we wish it were over, we wish it never happened, but there is something there and it's not like, oh, there's a lesson for you in this. It's not like somehow you wanted this so you could, you know, 
become stronger in your life, but more like every experience, even the painful ones, has some potential for you to grow as yeah. a person. And and I know in my work, because I work with people who experience childhood trauma, primarily that's my my most common story that my clients present with. And nobody wants what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to have happened to them. They don't want it to have happened. We all wish it didn't happen. But going through the process of healing that pain, you come out a different person. And, and it's better than just, I want to be like I was before this happened. Mm-hmm. You're better than you were before this happened. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the most powerful thing there is. It really is. I think that's, it's, it's so true that you can, like I say, you can come to a place you never would have imagined was possible where you, you know, I, I, the first step for me or one of the main goals in working with people is, and you even mentioned it earlier, is the getting to know you. Because I think so few of us actually know ourselves in, you know, have a lot of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And, but I always say self-awareness is power. The more you're able to look at all parts of you, and it's so hard because oftentimes it's parts we don't like and we don't want to acknowledge us, but the more we can look at all of that and just accept it and work with it, then the more control we have over our lives. So I want to stop you right there, Stephanie, and just put a frame around what you said. Okay. When we can know all the parts of ourselves, especially the ones we don't like. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the magic is. Yep. I didn't even know that myself. And as I learned that, wow, I mean, it changed me immensely, immeasurably. Yeah. And that, and that, the word that I can come up with that best describes it is power. I just think you feel so empowered when you know yourself so well and are able to accept all parts without kind of feeling shame or trying to hide parts or just ignoring mm-hmm. them and pretending they're not there. That just, that doesn't do any favors for you. Yeah, because you're empowered when you know and accept and embrace all the parts of yourself and understand that all of those parts have a helping purpose in who you are. Yep. But you're disempowered and powerless when you have parts of yourself that you refuse to accept, refuse to look at. And those parts are behind the scenes running the show. It's what, you know, some of my other guests have so beautifully talked about as the shadow. Yep. You know, the unconscious. Yeah. Yep. It's just impossible to ignore. Once you gain awareness in how that stuff is playing over and over and all you and I are just going to quote till the cows come home (laughs) today, but the Pema children quote, and I often talk about that, that nothing goes away until it teaches us what we need to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think that the thing that you said about pain is pain is, um, say it again. Uh, Is it pain is, Oh, the pain quote? and suffering quote. Yeah, yeah. Pain, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. <laughs> right. So I also read or heard that I can't remember where right now that suffering comes from our efforts to resist the pain. So that's where I think we can get stuck mm-hmm. is because we're just struggling to resist against that pain instead of allowing ourselves to feel it and move through it. 
Exactly. We're kind of fighting what's there. And it's a it's a useless fight because you can't do that. You'll never win. <laughs> no, unfortunately, you'll never win. And you'll just tire yourself out and suffer unnecessarily. And keep repeating those patterns. Mm-hmm. Until, because that's it's like that, you know, concept of like sense of mastery. Yes. You're just trying over and over to learn the skill that you need to know so that you can get to the next level of your emotional development. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is so interesting to me. I know. I love kind of being able to talk about it and explore it so that people can start understanding this, this potential that you don't always see when you think of these hard times. Yeah. So can you talk more about how you help people get through that stuck place and Mm -hmm. become transformed? Yeah. So like I said, the first part is sort of really getting to know yourself and getting that self-awareness. And the next part of that, that is extremely challenging, but very necessary, I think is making sense of what happened. What happened, What you know, I'll just use divorce as an example. What happened in this relationship that caused it to end and what was my part in it? And I think that is so hard because most people want to, you know, blame the other person. And especially if there's infidelity or something like that, it really seems like it's the other person. But in reality, we all have a part in creating what happens to us in our lives. And I think it's so important to really make sense of what happened. The confusion and feeling so blindsided is something really difficult to sit with and heal from. So the more we can look at each piece, including our own parts, and sort of, like I say, create a cohesive narrative about it, that feels healing. Yeah, I I hear that. I almost am hearing that immediate reaction of needing to blame, needing to find out who's to blame. You're either going to be blaming yourself or you're going to be blaming the other person. And that can be so painful. It almost seems like that's like stage one of the recovery from Mm-hmm. that traumatic experience. And then, you know, when you can move out of that stage where you can begin to look at it as this is something that happened. There's no bad guy here. Yeah. It's exactly. not me. It's not the other person. It's, it's the interaction. And what can we, you know, what needed to change? What will I do differently next time? And what will I expect to be different from the other person? Right. So instead of being stuck in this one rigid view of the situation, I, I always say like, let's say you have an object in the middle of the room. You're looking at it from this one angle, but let's move around the room and look at that object. And you're going to see all different angles and sides and perspectives to it. So that's what I like to do with my clients regarding, you know, whatever challenge they're facing. Really look at it realistically from all different views. Yeah. And I imagine that is a slow process. It is. And it is, you know, pretty grueling because, like, again, we're facing things about ourselves that we may not want to see. We're having to, you know, look at other truths that weren't apparent before. And then there's regret and guilt and all kinds of feelings that come up. But I really try to just say, let's take it slow. Let's not judge ourselves. Let's just look at real, real, realistically and go from there. Exactly. So it's, It's kind of that acceptance of what is without judgment. Yes. That judgment is 
the biggest enemy because it gets in the way so much. And it's we're so used to going there. And if you look at our society in general, that judgment is so prevalent. I'm so really, glad you said that this time because I'm always saying stuff like that. And I sound like <laughs> negative Nelly, but this time it was you because <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's just, a very it's judging and blaming society. It is. Yeah. I mean, gosh, especially like during political seasons, you know, it's just you turn on the news and it's all you hear is judgment, 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 judgment. Yes. So the more I can help my clients kind of break away from that and just acceptance and looking at things compassionately and empathetically versus harshly, this harsh like taskmaster that stands over many of us all the time, the easier it is. Yeah. So how, what kind of techniques do you use with people to help them do that? Are you able to share that? Well, it's allowing what, you know, sort of, I tend to be more challenging. So I like to push my clients, you know, more and that can bring up feelings for them. They can get angry at me. They can get upset, but allowing them to express whatever comes up to me and that I can handle it and work through it with them rather than maybe react like other people would in their lives, get angry back or, you know, criticize them for their reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of working through it with me in the room and getting a different experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's an experiential way for them to practice a different way of being. Yes. Safely with someone they can trust who's not going to abandon them or reject them. Yep. Exactly. And then also talking about their experience with other people outside of the room with me. And then we can talk about it, you know, look back and find out what, how, what they would have liked to have done differently, how maybe they could have reacted differently. And then by processing through all that, they start finding new ways that feel so much better to them to interact and to get through. I like that. Yeah. So I keep cutting you off. Is there more to how you work with people? to transform the experience of divorce or infidelity that I haven't given you a chance to say yet? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Let me think if we're missing anything major. Oh, well, yes. One other thing that I would definitely say that I've really come into in the past few years, the importance of mindfulness Mm -hmm. and meditation, I think is crucial during times when we're really suffering, especially with symptoms of, like I said, anxiety, depression, every psychological theory that I've looked at, and there's so many different ones, but pretty much every single one of them talks about using mindfulness and meditation. And it goes along with that self-awareness piece of getting to know ourselves more. One thing that I notice with many clients that I go through that, you know, especially have gone through divorce, there's almost an urgency to get another relationship quickly. Or to, to find something to distract us from dealing with any of this pain, kind of fill that hole. I encourage kind of the opposite. Instead of trying to get away from ourselves by distracting ourselves with another relationship or something else, let's really get into ourselves. Let's really take a moment to just sit with what we're dealing with and these strong feelings and realize that we can do that, that there are ways of it. So I really encourage that aspect. Yeah, me too. Mindfulness is so valuable. I mean, it's, you can't really develop self-awareness when you're just basically trying to distract and avoid Mm -hmm. feeling the uncomfortable emotions. Yes. 
Exactly. So do you do mindfulness with your clients or just kind of let them know that that can be something they can do out of the session that would be helpful? I, I give them a few basic, real basic ways to start mm-hmm. with, with it. Like one, I just say is like feeling, you know, sitting in a chair, feeling your feet on the ground and breathing into the count of five and out to the count of 10. Like that's just such a basic thing we could do anywhere. And mm-hmm. it's really introductory. So I definitely introduce the concept. There's several like apps out on the iPhone too, or other phones, smartphones that you can download and have in your pocket that will do a quick two minute meditation or a breathing exercise. So just sort of gently introducing kind of some beginning ways to start doing that, to start dealing with our symptoms of anxiety and depression instead of running from them. Yes. Getting power over those. Exactly. And the power, that's real power. Again, mm-hmm. that's empowered. You control it. Your breath yep. is in your body. You can always do that. Exactly. You always have that with you and it's can be used anywhere and anytime. Yeah. So I know that you offer groups. Am I right? I do. I run a group for women coping with divorce called Happily Ever After Divorce. Mm. Because you can live happily ever after, even if you're divorced. It's, you know, it's funny that you use that happily ever after as the title because, you know, it's so often, I think in our culture, if you look at, I'm not picking on Pinterest here, but Pinterest is like where every bride goes to get ideas for planning her wedding. I mean, maybe that's a stereotype, but every young bride that I've talked to, you know, it's a, it's a wealth of information. I mean, Pinterest is, it's a blessing and a curse, but yeah, you know, it's, there's this whole, like the wedding industry, you know, people have create this beautiful day and it's almost like there's so much emphasis on that day Yep. that what's going to happen the next day. Exactly. <laughs> you never think about it's like, well, that's it. Okay. Happily ever after. It's like, well, now the fun really begins because this is, and it's really, you know, when I say the fun, it's, it is fun and it's work. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I wish so much that like, as you're talking about weddings, that we could put the planning into creating the relationship we want, you know, as much as we do the the big day. Right. Because it's the big day is really an appearance thing. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely. creating an experience that's like a fantasy and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it is a fantasy. But how beautiful you look and how handsome your partner looks or regardless of your gender, how beautiful everyone is and how great that day feels is a piece of it. And but the relationship work, you know, living with another person, loving each other, Uh accepting each other, the way we communicate, what triggers us feeling rejected, unwanted, abandoned and all of our attachment stuff. Yeah. You can't, you can't skip over that. No, it's all there. And it's all, like I say, always kind of lurking underneath. And it can sneak up on you if you're not aware, you know, of all those different things kind of swirling underneath the surface. Right. And because we don't really talk about those things in our culture, it's more like be a beautiful bride, lose weight so you can look great on your wedding day. Uh Be tan. How's your hair going to look? Get the perfect jewelry look like a princess, you know. Yeah. Yep. That's the focus for sure. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's hard, but then, you know, if, and hopefully it doesn't, but something goes wrong in the relationship, then, then that's when people tend to look at that stuff more or be, you know, when they're kind of suffering so much that there's no other option. So they'll look more at what was going on underneath the surface. Yeah. So how does, what's it like for women who've experienced divorce or infidelity and, and that shame that we talked about, about how you're kind of, you know, you didn't make it and society says, you know, you, you don't belong as much now. And how do, how do people find groups to be, you know, because I feel like with that isolation, it might be kind of scary to join a group. Yeah, it it can be. And also I think that shame, sometimes you're like, I don't want to associate myself with that group. Unconsciously, I Mm -hmm. think you're thinking that I don't want to be a part of this group. So why should I go sit with them every week? You know, when I don't want to join a club that would allow me as a member. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Exactly. So that is, that's hard and that's a struggle, but getting into a group with women that are going through exact, you know, so similar to what you're going through and experiencing a lot of the same emotions and fears and doubts and all of that can be so powerful and so transforming because not only do you have the opportunity to be supported, but you have the opportunity to support someone else. And I think that helping women and being there for them in a time of need is a very powerful experience. And it's part of the healing. It's like a central part of the healing process, I think. I can imagine. So I mean, it shows you that you're not alone. And then there's that opportunity to repair whatever attachment. Yes, you learn exactly. You can get all different kinds of perspectives. And really, it helps you look at yourself through the eyes of other people, you kind of get reflected back to you what others are seeing and noticing. And that's, that's really important part of the work. So I, I love groups. I think, yes, it can be scary. You know, another thing I always tell my clients is good. I'm glad you're uncomfortable because the only time we're really growing is when we're uncomfortable. If we stay comfortable all the time and never step out of our zone, Comfort zone, if you will. Yeah, we just stay stagnant. You know, you have to experience discomfort to grow because it means you're doing something different. Mm, I love what you're sharing. And I agree with you 100%. So there's, there's beauty in the struggle and the transformation when you when you come out. Of course, you know, nothing is a end process until your life is over. So you want, you hope that you'll be growing and changing and developing throughout life. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I hear people say, I'm 60 years old and I'm supposed to be like wise. Why don't I f- have like wisdom? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where's my wisdom? And it's like, because, you know, of course, you probably do have wisdom that you're not giving yourself credit for. And at the same time, where you're still feeling so confused and so lost is some of that stuff that hasn't been worked through yet. And when you work through it, you just look at things so differently. That's right. Yeah. Like I said, it's sort of having, you're looking at it from all different angles instead of this one view that so many people can get stuck in. And that's the wisdom, I think, being able to really look at situations from all different sides and perspectives. Yeah, it's basically the difference between a child's way of looking at things and an adult's way. Yes, 
Exactly. And that doesn't change when we turn 18. It's not like the automatic <laughs> switch flips. <laughs> nope. Unfortunately, that would be nice. But yeah, it doesn't work that way. We have to like learn it. And it's mainly through our struggles and challenges that we do that. So then it made me think of another quote for you. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I'm going to title this, Stephanie and Laura discuss famous quotes and why they love them. (laughs) Exactly. But gosh, they're so, I just love quotes because they speak so beautifully what we try to say. But this one's from Maya Angelou. Mm. And it says, we delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Just related perfectly to what we were saying. It does. And Maya nailed it as she always did. And, but yeah, no, it's so true. It's, um, we want to be that butterfly, but we have to go through that struggle. And it, somebody made me think of this. It was Mara Glatzel. Um, she's a, a coach who does this beautiful, like nurturing self-care work. And she made me think about, What's happening in that cocoon? I mean, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you go in there, you're a caterpillar, you got all these little legs and this long body, and then you're inside that cocoon. It's dark. Yeah. You know, and of course, there's that other quote, just when the caterpillar thought its life had ended, it became a butterfly. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) when when the caterpillar comes out of the cocoon, we don't even know what's going on in there. It's it's, you know, it's dark. It's who knows what. And then. When it breaks out, I don't know if you've ever seen a butterfly come out of a cocoon. Mm-mm. Well, I have. And they they fall down on the ground and mm. they're wet and sticky and their wings don't work yet. And they just like fall out and they lay there. Yeah. Like hours. Interesting. And then finally they like, you know, and they kind yeah. of like, <laughs> and they kind of start this like wacky, like erratic ugly looking flight and then they just get it and they soar off and it's like that's a metaphor for what it's like to go through some kind of struggle because that sticky stuck yep maybe other people are looking like oh it didn't make it it's dead you know it's just laying there you know and in a, a butterfly's lifespan a couple hours could be years for us you know metaphorically yep. Exactly. But when you rise, you know, it's so, yeah, it's beautiful. It is. But I love, I love how describing that process too, because it's so true that as we're making these really important changes and growing so much, it can be very clumsy, you know, in Mm -hmm. forms of our interactions with people or learning to use our voice and express ourselves or what happens to relation, you know, other relationships, it can feel very clumsy and scary. Right. But if you practice and you, you know, use those wings, it will smooth out and it will be, you know, and nothing is perfect in life, but it will be, you know, I think happily ever after would be more likely, more honest if we said, you know, content and having a lot of good days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, life isn't, life isn't without struggles that what that is what our experience is. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me think of like the word perfect, which I really work so am working really hard to try to redefine because so many people think perfect is everything goes great and you never have a problem and you manage everything wonderfully and you're always happy and on point and have everything going great. And to me, it's like, ew, that would be so creepy. Like that's not 
that Stepford not, wife. Yeah, that's not even possible. And I wouldn't even want that. Mm-hmm. To me, perfect is being open to learning and growing from all of your challenges and allowing that to be what perfect is, not never failing, never having anything go wrong because it's, that's impossible. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Again, it's a child's view of way the way life is supposed to be. I used to think that too. Like if I do everything right, then I'll never have a problem. If I, if I have a problem, it means I wasn't doing everything right. Exactly. Having a problem just means you were doing everything right. That's what life is supposed to be. And that's how we grow and learn. So, yep. Oh, I've loved this conversation, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being with me on Therapy Chat today. You're welcome. And thank you. It was great. Yeah. So tell people who are listening, who are in your area, how they can find you if they want to work with you. Sure. Well, the easiest way is my website, which is called therapywithstephanie.com. So that's easy to remember. Okay. Um, And I'm in the Los Angeles area. And you work with people only in person in L.A.? I work with, I do have done some video, you know, if you're in California, Mm -hmm. some Skype or video um, sessions, and those have actually worked well. So I'm open to that as well. And you can even get more information on that on my website. Awesome. Well, it's really been a pleasure to have you on. I am so grateful that you could be my guest today. Yes, me too. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to Therapy Chat. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stephanie McAdan. I was inspired by her work and the whole idea that it's just those really hard times that we go through that make us who we are, that make us richer, more interesting people than if we were to somehow get through life without any adversity, which nobody does. So I hope if you're in some kind of messy middle part of your life that you find some inspiration in this episode and that it helps you remember that you'll get through it and you'll even come out better off somehow. Thanks so much for listening. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.